Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, Every Nation New Jersey. God bless you. PA here, Pastor Adam Bird, and I'm so excited you would spend your Sunday morning here with us at Every Nation, New Jersey. And so uh, um, if you've been tracking with us, we actually are, are in a series we've just called A Beautiful Mess. And we're going to take a journey and, and break down the book of 1 Corinthians. But uh, but before we do, uh, i got to ask you, have you seen the movie Miracle? Miracle. I don't know if you recall, but in 2004, uh, Walt Disney Pictures, uh, they, they put out the movie Miracle, and it was starring... Kurt Russell as Team USA's iconic head coach Herb Brooks, and 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 in it it it, it um, tells the story of how um, this group of ragtag collegiate players did the impossible and the unthinkable and won an Olympic gold medal. Um, you know, you know, to this day, it's still marked as the greatest sporting event uh, that has ever occurred in the United States of America. It truly was a miracle on ice. And, and if you remember the story, like professional players couldn't play. And so they had these, these college players that, that came from all across uh, the United States. And, and, and it was just this hodgepodge thing. And there was, there was no chemistry amongst the team. And so Herb Brooks had had enough. And so he, he had all the guys uh, in their gear. And there's this one turning point scene in the movie, and I don't know if you recall, but but Herb Brooks, he's gonna physically exhaust these men to drive home uh, a point. And so he, he lines up the entire team uh, on the goal line, and, and he says this, he says, uh, this cannot be a team of common men. He said, common men go nowhere. You have to be uncommon. And then he blows his whistle, Again, and they would skate one end to the other, back and forth, again and again and again. And this went on for seemingly for hours. They actually shut the lights off uh, in the arena, but he kept blowing that whistle again and again. But periodically, Coach Brooks would stop, and he would ask, he would pick out a player, and he says, he says, what's your name and who do you play for? And the player would bark out their name and what university they played for. Uh, and he's like, nope, again and again. And he kept skating them over and over till the, the, the players were at the break, breaking point. Uh, and, and just before he could blow the whistle to send them again, uh, the captain, Mike Aruzioni, he barks out, Mike Aruzioni from Winthrop, Massachusetts. And then Coach Brooks says this, and who do you play for, son? And he says, and I play for the United States of America. Coach Brooks, he says this, that'll be all, gentlemen. You can leave the ice and, and see something changed in that moment. It was like they all got it, that they weren't a group of individuals from different colleges from amongst the United States, but rather they were one team. And that moment galvanized them, put um, put them together, and they would go on to absolutely shock the world with the miracle uh, on ice. And so there's there's something very powerful 
and very spiritual when people dwell together in unity. And I don't think you can deny it. Like even from our Bible, if you look in your Old Testament, uh, there was at one point uh, humanity had joined together with one mind and one language and they built the Tower of Babel. And, and God came down and he looked at all man was doing and he said this. He says, because uh, humanity are of one mind in one language, he says, nothing will be impossible for them. It, it's the power of unity that we see the psalmist in Psalm 133. Um, it's highlighting that the, the, just the power of unity. And he says this, the psalmist says in Psalm 133, he says, when men and women dwell together in unity, it's in that place that God, he commands the blessing. He commands it over this idea of unity. And so in, in this morning's text, uh, what you're going to see is the Apostle Paul, is he's going to point out that there's, there's divisions in the church, that, that people are fracturing and tearing apart in the church into these little divisive corners. People are saying, hey, I, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. No, I follow Peter. And there's these fractions, divisions in the church. And I tell you, I'm just so glad that the church is no longer divided, that, that we've outgrown that. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, but I was giving an eye roll in that moment. And so, uh, come on, uh, like, like uh, masks or no masks, vaccines or no vaccines, uh, Democrat, Republican, <laughs> right? You just go on and on. And now, man, there's all these opportunities for the church to divide and to tear apart. And, and, and God will have nothing of this. Uh, in fact, you know that Jesus in John 17, it's Jesus's high priestly prayer to his heavenly father. He's interceding for humanity uh, on behalf uh, on behalf of humanity to his heavenly father. And, and in this moment, like Jesus is going to highlight the importance and the power of unity. Uh, he says this in John 17, Jesus says to the father, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. And so did you see that? That, that our unity, uh, it, that the world might know, that the world might know Jesus and, and this otherworldly thing that takes place when humanity dwells uh, in unity. And so it's an unbelievably powerful force. And so get this. So despite our differences and disagreements, like there's something that, that supersedes and unites us. See, uh, there, there's something like that, that's, uh, that we have in common that makes us as Christ followers uncommon. And, and I, I want to attempt to show you that uh, today, that there's something that we all have in common that makes us as Christ followers uncommon. And so our text today will be in 1 Corinthians. Uh, we're going to actually read two sections uh, of, of 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 10 to 13. And Paul's going to talk about division. And then he goes on a rabbit trail uh, for, for an entire chapter. And then he comes back to it in chapter 3. So I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you started talking. And then you went on a rabbit trail and you're like, hey, what, what was I talking about? <laughs> and so that's our, our guy, the Apostle Paul. So uh, let's pick it up in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 10. Paul says, 
I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions. That's the word schismata. It's where we get schisms. It, it means to tear or to rip apart. And God wants nothing of his church to be torn at and ripped at. And so he says this, I want you to agree. Uh, he goes on and says, uh, but that you might be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Verse 11, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. And what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, that's Peter, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And now we'll bring it to, to chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. four uh, Paul continues on. He says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk and not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? And so I just so love how Paul says that. He's like, you're acting like mere humans. In other words, the expectation is that you and I, as Christ followers, we would be an uncommon people. And, and what I want to show us today is, is that we can be an example to the world, how, how uh, diversity can walk together in unity. It could be not something merely human, but something uncommon. And so uh, I, I want to show you today that, that it's, it's the common things that we agree on that make us in a common people. And, and I want to show us this, that you and I, uh, we have a, a common enemy, we have a common mission, and we have a common family and that's where we're headed and so let's look at this like like number one that you and I we have a common enemy and so um, uh, it, it was the year 2000 I, I don't know if you can remember that with me but 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 it was remember Y2K we weren't sure if the world was going to end there was going to be a, a food shortage or all our computers were going to get locked out and there would be chaos and pandemonium and so what did we do uh people hoarded food and hoarded things and and so we got through y2k and as well in the year 2000 uh there was a contested election uh george w bush and al gore um it, the election was so close that they thought hey maybe there was some foul play and they were there was all this push to to do a recount and in that year in the year 2000 our, our nation was being torn at ripped at that the united states was very quickly becoming the divided states of america until september 11th 2001 all of that would change in a moment do you remember where you were? Like I can still vividly remember where I was. And as I watched the planes uh, hit the Twin Towers and they came crashing to the ground, like our nation was filled with panic and chaos. We didn't know where the next attack would come from or who was doing it. And, and so uh, we, we received a punch as a nation and we were stunned. But get this, we weren't knocked out. And, and over uh, the next several months, we would begin to understand that it was a terrorist attack. And now our nation, we were, we were looking for signs, something to galvanize us uh, as a people. 
And, I, and I re, if you recall, uh, Major League Baseball decided to resume the World Series. And uh, it was actually Game 3, the New York Yankees against the Arizona Diamondbacks, right at Historica uh, Yankee Stadium. And the President of the United States, George W. Bush, was going to throw out the first pitch. And uh, if you can remember, like like George Bush was real nervous about making that first pitch. It had to be a strike, man. And and Derek Jeter actually pulled him aside uh, be, before he threw the first pitch. And he's like, hey, Prez, he's like, uh, you, you better not bounce it. <laughs> better not bounce it. You better get it to the plate. And so as 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 the president of the United States took to the field, the place uh, just began to erupt with cheers. See, in that moment, nobody cared if he was a Democrat or Republican, but in that moment, he was just our president, the president of the United States. And as he took to the mound, he hurled a strike right down the middle, and the place erupted and went nuts. And there began to be these chants, USA, USA. USA man and the hair stood up on her neck and and the place that the stadium began to shake and in in that moment once again we were no longer divided but we were the United States of America and we had a common enemy and we would go to war to war uh, on terrorism and and so it, it was a common enemy that galvanized us back as a nation let me read for you first uh, Peter 5 8 because the scriptures are going to remind us that you and I, we have a common enemy. It says this, uh, uh, Peter says this, Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Like, like that word in the Greek for, for enemy or adversary, it means this. One who is actively and continually hostile and violent towards another like like your enemy the devil is actively and consistently man coming after you jesus would say it this way he would say this that your enemy he's a thief looking to steal to kill and destroy like your enemy he wants to steal rob from you your finances your health everything that's beautiful and good he wants to kill uh, your marriage your family and your kids, and he wants to destroy everything that's beautiful in your life. He is our enemy and our adversary. And when we forget who our common enemy is, uh, what we do, what do we do? We wound up fighting with one another. <laughs> and so, uh, like, like you know, uh, uh, cr- Christians, we're, we're actually very bad at this, knocking off like things that you see kind of out in the world, and they'll do like a Christian knockoff version. And, and so we did the same. If, if you recall those little uh, Star Wars action figures, do you remember those, right? And so uh, uh, that some of these some Christian uh, companies, they decided, hey, let's make Christian uh, action figures. And so they did Moses and David and the disciples and all these different ones, uh, but they forgot to make an enemy and an adversary. And so uh, mom started writing into the company, hey, my little boy, man, David is fighting against Noah. And he's like, hey, Moses is fighting with Jesus. <laughs> and, and if we're honest, uh, that's what begins to happen when we don't recognize who our enemy truly is, our adversary, the devil. See, uh, 
I'm not your enemy. You're not my enemy. The Republicans, the Democrats, ultimately are not our enemies. But our enemy is the adversary, the devil himself. And so um, God's um, call to his people is this. We're to fight for one another, uh, not with one another. And so let me read for you uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Uh, Paul says this. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving, get this, side by side for the faith of the gospel. Like, like that, that's military language, that we're with, with one mind, one spirit, that we're standing side by side, warring against our enemy. Um, so I'm going to dispel a heretical belief out there. <laughs> do you know that the lion is really not the king of the jungle? Um, uh, do you know that the, the tiger is the largest of all felines? That uh, it, can, it can weigh as much as 650 pounds, be 12 feet long. It, it, is, it is almost twice the weight of a lion. A, a lion could be about 330 pounds, be anywhere between 6 to 10 feet long. And so there's an enormous uh, strength and size advantage uh, for the tiger. And so, But zoologists point this out, this amazing fact, that, that one tiger battling against one lion, the tiger's going to win uh, almost 100% of the times. But if you get five lions to battle against five tigers... The lions will beat the tigers each and every time. It's because the lions, they fight with and for one another. All right. They, they fight together as a team and as a unit. And they, and whereas the tigers, they fight as individuals. They isolate and are alone while, while the lions fight as a team and they win every time. And so I think now more than ever, it's important for the church to, to um, band together uh, as one against our common enemy because our common enemy should bring us uh, to, to join with an uncommon unity. And so, um, so that's the first thing we unite over. The second thing is this is, so we have a, a common enemy. We also have a common mission. And so, um, do you know, like, like Ukraine prior to the Russian invasion, uh, did you know it was a it was a very divided uh, nation? Like Ukraine, you could almost split it in half. That that the that the east uh, was it had a predominantly uh, Russian uh, culture. They spoke Russian and and they had a, a leaning uh, towards Moscow. And and yet the other half was was more poor Europe, pro the West. Uh, they were uh, predominantly Ukrainian speaking, and and so there was this division, like almost right down the middle. Uh, and so they would divide over these petty things uh, until uh, the, the moment the first bomb uh, came and struck the capital of Ukraine, Kiev, um, and, and the buildings began to crumble. With that, all the petty differences between the Ukrainians began to crumble as well, and it, the nation galvanized uh, as one. That, that now, uh, with the Russian invasion, they had a common enemy, and now they also had a common mission, that they were to defend their nation. They became one in that moment. And so, like, if you're a Christian uh, this morning, uh, do you realize that that you and I, we have a common mission, that we've been given a, a, a mission 
from Almighty God. And let me read for you 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 20. That, that Paul says this, uh, because of the gospel, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so, did you catch that? He's given you a ministry, a mission of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Like, like you and I have been sent on a mission of reconciliation. It's a rescue mission that, that we implore people to, to, to be reconciled to God, to go from darkness to life, to go from, uh, uh, from death into life. It's, and our message is one of reconciliation. And so, uh, it, it was World War II and, uh, uh, Winston Churchill and the Allied forces, uh, they, they faced an impossible situation. You see, 380,000 Allied soldiers were trapped in Dunkirk, France. And, and the, the Germans were pressing in on one side and, and the Allied forces were backed up to the English Channel. That, that the, the Allies couldn't come in with, with large vessels across the English Channel because they would just be uh, picked off by, by the superior uh, German uh, aircraft. And so uh, what were they to do? And so, so Churchill and the Allies came up what, what became known as Operation Dynamo. And so, so they enlisted everyone that had any kind of a vessel that could float on the water. And, and, and catch this, that some 800 people uh, enlisted their vessel and their services on, on a mission of rescue. That, uh, the, so in, in eight days, these 800 vessels from fishing boats to dinghies, to, to uh, tugboats, these 800 vessels uh, made the journey across the English Channel, picking up and rescuing Allied forces and taking them safely home back to Allied territory. And of the 350,000 Allied soldiers, they rescued 338,000. It was, it was an epic success. And you know that God has called you and me on a mission. Like our mission is called Operation Reconciliation. Like God has given us a, sent us on a mission uh, of rescue. And so, um, in, in our mission, uh, our mission has eternal consequences. And so, um, uh, you know, like, do you have any of those, those kind of times in your life that, that you have these fond memories and, and you're so grateful for them? Like this, these cool moments in your past. And uh, if I could share just like, like one that sticks with me is, you know, when, in, when I was playing junior hockey, when I was much younger, you know, like 18 years old, and, and you know, my junior hockey team, that uh, we barely made it into the playoffs, and our first opponent was the number one team in all of Canada. And, and catch this, that we defeated the number one team in all of Canada uh, in a seven-game series. And so it's a cool memory for me, man. I still, I really like that. Uh, let me give you another one. It was the last NHL hockey game uh, of the second millennia. 
your pastor uh, scored the overtime winner in Vancouver, the last recorded NHL goal of the second millennia. And so for me, <laughs> that, get off me, man. Like, like, give me that. That's a cool moment for me. But while all those things were amazing, can I tell you something uh, about something much more important to me? Is, um, so there was a, uh, uh, I was a, a still just kind of a, a younger Christian. I was playing in the NHL in Atlanta and, and, and I was going through, I had to go through this like little, uh, Bible study course that I was taking. And, uh, and so in it, uh, they gave us these Bible tracks and our assignment was to go and share, share the gospel with somebody. I was terrified. Didn't like doing that stuff. So, so I asked a friend, a buddy of mine who wasn't yet a Christian. I was like, Hey, would you come? I got to do this assignment. And so we, we did this, uh, this, uh, we went, opened up this track and it was like, Hey, do you know if you were to die today, if you would go to heaven? And so I'm just reading the track ver, verbatim. <laughs> and then at the end, it gives an opportunity. Um, uh, now, now it says, uh, Hey, would you like to come know the Lord? And I'm like, but you probably don't want to do that. And he's like, no, no, I want to do that. I, I want to receive Jesus. And I'm like, you do? <laughs> and so, uh, but, uh, so he right there on that spot, it was, it was awkward and so, uh, poorly executed. And yet he was saved. And, and here's why I, I mentioned that story is about seven years ago. Uh, I got a call from his wife, his widow, uh, that, that this gentleman had died in his sleep. And, and while I had a moment of sadness, then uh, this joy bubbled up on the inside of me because I know where he's spending his eternity. And, and I just felt so honored to be a part of something so significant. And, you know, that's your call and my call that God's given us this common mission to, to invite humanity back into reconciliation with God because there's eternal consequences. And so um, there's a, a, um, a common enemy, a common mission. And now here's the third point is, is we also have a common family, a common family. And so let me read for you Ephesians chapter four, verses four through six, that Paul says this. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so, uh, so did you, did you read that? It says, Hey, that, that we have one father who's over all. Like, like that is a spiritual reality for you and I, that we are a part of the common family, the family of God. So, uh, I'll share this. You know, uh, back in 2007, the, 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 uh, Super Bowl was being held in Tampa Bay, Florida. And it was actually the Indianapolis Colts were, were going against the Chicago Bears and, uh, the, the Oakland Raiders chaplain, he actually called me, uh, to, uh, he asked if I, if I wanted to join him because, uh, during Super Bowls, wherever the Super Bowl is located, he, he would go into inner city schools, gather a team, and he would, he would encourage young people, uh, to follow Jesus and to make good decisions. And so as he was assembling his team, he asked me if I wanted to go and he, he wanted to sweeten the deal for me, right? And so he says, he says, uh, Adam, you're going to want to go to this one. He says, uh, we, we, they've already rented a home for us, uh, in Florida. So I thought, well, that could be cool. And he says, get this, the home, it has a pool. And not only does it have a pool, but it has a stocked fridge and there's a gourmet chef that comes with it. I'm like, sign me up, right? We're going to go do this thing. And, um, uh, I felt like uh, I was deceived and lied to 
because when we got to Tampa, uh, the the home this it wasn't don't think Airbnb vacation spot. Uh, it was uh, uh, think more JoJo and uh, fixer upper that type of thing. I was literally sleeping in a converted garage. <laughs> and and by the way, this this stocked fridge, it was stocked, filled with Gatorade. Oh, and did I mention? That they're all, they were all expired. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the, uh, the gourmet chef, um, it was actually a very sweet elderly lady that lived across the street and she would walk over a crock pot, uh, full of chili, uh, for us. Um, for the record, a uh, house full of dudes, probably not a good thing to serve up. And, and by the way, the pool, uh, the pool was an above ground pool and there was this layer of pond scum on the top of it. So you ain't getting in that pool. So I felt lied to. Uh, but but here's what I need to tell you is, man, the, the people that assembled uh, for the, this team, can I just show you how diverse it was? I mean, there was there was a player for the New York Jets, Kenyon Coleman. But, but there's also a player from the Oakland Raiders. His name is Tim Brown, a Hall of Fame player. And so two different teams. And uh, my, myself, uh, Adam, I was the, the New York Jets chaplain and Adam Yabera uh, was the Oakland Raiders uh, chaplain. And so um, there was also another guy came who, who a uh, Hispanic guy who owned his own t-shirt company. Uh, but not to be outdone, there was also a white kid, uh, a very white kid, who uh, he looked like he was about 11 years old, but he was really good with sound equipment. Okay, And so you can see this diverse room, yet, this, despite the fact we were so different, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different pr- professions, that, that there was these common things that united us, that, that we had a common enemy, we had a common mission, and we were from a common family, the family of Almighty God. And if you're a Christian today, it's your spiritual reality. Like, like we say this often, but, but your primary identity is not of a, being a husband or a wife. It's not being a father or a mother, uh, an employee or any of these other things. Your primary identity is of a son of God and everything else falls behind that because that primary identity is going to take you through eternity. It never changes. And so, um, God, is our heavenly father and uh like a good heavenly father he wants his children to get along come on parents that's a good place to say amen we want our kids to get along and so uh my two daughters cassie and lizzie they're two years apart and uh listen uh they get on each other's nerves they couldn't be more polar opposite and we keep i keep uh, telling people this and they're like oh don't worry don't worry when they become adults they're going to be the best of friends well, um, they're adults and we're not there yet. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but, but here's what was so amazing is that, is I, I'm just remember the story so fondly is, um, at one point my daughters were in high school together. My youngest Lizzie was a freshman and Cassie was a junior and, and Lizzie was being, uh, bullied, uh, by someone, uh, at the high school. Well, my, my oldest daughter, Cassie, she got wind of that. And she gathered her crew together. Just think mean girls, okay? And my daughter found that person that was bullying uh, her little sister. And man, they pressed in and they read that person the riot act, right? And so, listen, when I heard that story, man, my oldest daughter, I'm like, come here, baby girl. High five. Because because I love it when you fight for your sister and not with your sister, right? 
And so, so don't mishear me. Like, like you can be a part of family and fight for each other and disagree on a lot of stuff, can't you? Like you think about, like in my family, like Susan and I, we don't agree on everything. Like she thinks that a bed should be made every day, and I think it's dumb because you're going to just get back into it. Uh, I don't agree with my daughter Cassie about everything. Like uh, she thinks our our cocker spaniel Fez is a good dog. Um, I can't wait uh, until we get together in heaven and we realize this, that all dogs don't go to heaven because that dog ain't getting into heaven because it is a bad dog. All right. And so, so, but despite the fact that we, we don't agree on everything, it's the main things that we agree on that keep us together as family and, and family uh, in unity is unbelievably powerful. And so we are called to be the family of God. Uh, last story is this, you know, back in, uh, in 1979, uh, the, the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, of the, uh, of the, uh, MLB, uh, Major League Baseball, they were, they were struggling. They were floundering at the start of their season, uh, very mediocre, and they had high expectations for themselves. And, and so it was one particular game, uh, that there was a, there was a rain delay. And so over the loudspeakers, uh, they were playing music. And, and this particular day, they played this mu- music, uh, this song, We Are Family by Sister Sledge. Well, well, the team captain, Willie Stargell, he heard that song and he's like, that's our anthem. That's our tune for this year. And so he, he encouraged the team and, and for whatever reason, the song, We Are Family, uh, it, it began to, the, the fellows became fond of it. It became their anthem, their jam. Then the fans got wind of it. Uh, and it became their gen till it actually began to spill out over into the city of Pittsburgh until it became like the anthem for Pittsburgh. In fact, uh, the seventh inning stretch, you know, when, when usually the ballpark, they would sing, take me out to the ball game. Uh, they, they shut that song down and they would all in unison chant together. We are family, right? And so the whole crowd in the city would, would, would just be galvanized over this one song and this idea that, that we're a common family. And you know what would happen? That team, the 1979 Pittsburgh Pirates, would go on to win uh, the World Series. Because, because where there's, there's unity uh, and family, man, there's something very powerful and spiritual God wants to do. And so I just want to encourage us as the church here today that, that it's the things that we have in common, a common enemy, a common mission, and a common family that makes us an uncommon people. Let's pray. So Lord, uh, we just, uh, I thank you this morning, uh, God, for all you want to do in and through your church. And Lord, I pray that you would do a miracle. Lord, you said that, that, that we would be one as you are one that the world might know. Lord, I pray that you would make your church, your bride, a united people. And as we walk together in unity, Lord, we would be a sign and a wonder in the earth and we would move powerfully, uh, Lord, to bring your kingdom and to love a hurting world. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, (laughs) amen, amen. Well, listen, God bless you, every nation. Listen, the sermon's over, but I do want to remind you of one thing, too, that you you can continue to be faithful in your tithing and your giving. A tithe simply means a tenth, and we believe very strongly that 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 a t- the tenth of of all that God gives to us, we give back to Him uh, as a sign of obedience 
uh, and praise and honor to him. But the great news is, is that he promises that, that as we honor him, that God will honor us uh, in our finances. And so there's three ways that, that you can give um, digitally. You can go to our website, encnj.org, and just click the giving icon. Uh, or you can give via text. If you simply text the letters ENCNJ to the number 77977, it's a very convenient way to give. Or, or lastly, you can mail in your check or money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive, right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. And may God richly bless you uh, as you give. Every nation, God loves you. And I think you're pretty amazing too. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.